Hello and welcome back to the Revision Hub, where we release new episodes every Thursday based on either a GCSE or A-level course. Over the next few weeks, we'll be releasing a brand new set of episodes based on the GCSE chemistry course. So whether you're finding it difficult to revise and want an alternative way, or you just want a refresher on some topics, we hope you find them helpful. If you haven't already, make sure to follow us on your preferred podcast streaming service to be one of the first to hear new episodes, as well as episodes based on the computer science course and the GCSE biology course later this year. We'll be making a few special episodes in December, so make sure to follow us at the.revision.hub on Instagram to hear more about that. In this episode, we'll be talking about the three states of matter our knowledge of the atom over time, what the atom consists of, and what isotopes and ions are. Enjoy! There are three states of matter. Solids, liquids and gases. Solids have strong forces of attraction between particles which holds them in a fixed, regular arrangement. As the particles don't have much kinetic energy, they can only vibrate around fixed positions. In liquid form, these forces of attraction are slightly weaker. However, while particles are still closely packed, they can move past each other, which results in an irregular arrangement. They have more kinetic energy in their stores than solids, and particles move in random directions at low speed. Gases have very weak forces of attractions between the particles, and this is combined with more kinetic energy in stores, meaning that the particles are free to travel in random directions at high speeds. When you heat a substance, energy is transferred to the kinetic energy stores of the particles, which causes them to vibrate at a high frequency until a change of state occurs. This results in a graph of temperature as an object is heated with an interesting shape as the temperature will increase at a steady rate as heat is applied, and at a change of state, the graph plateaus as energy is used to break into molecular bonds. In reverse, freezing and condensing, this energy is used in the formation of bonds. Density is linked to state. However, the mass doesn't change when there is a change in state. Assuming that you're working in a closed system, this is logical, as the mass of a substance is the mass of the particles it contains, and a change of state is only a rearrangement of those particles as no particles can enter or escape. As a general rule, the volume taken up by a solid is less than a liquid, and the volume which a liquid takes up is less than the equivalent gas, with one exception being water and ice. As density is mass divided by volume, the density must also change if the volume is changing. In an exam, you might be asked to talk about the advantages and disadvantages of a particular model, And while particle theory is good for explaining the three states of matter, particles aren't actually spheres, and the size and spacing aren't shown either. Nor do you have any idea how strong the bonding between particles are. A change of state is a physical change. However, during a chemical reaction, there is a chemical change and bonds are broken in the reactants, and new ones are formed to make different products. Compared to a physical change, which can be reversed through either heating or cooling, a chemical change is often difficult to reverse. Some reactions, however, are reversible. For example, 
the production of ammonia, which we'll talk about later episode in this set. Next topic in this episode is the history of the atom. The first model of an atom has since been informally named the billiard ball model and was created by John Dalton, who believed that atoms were solid spheres with different spheres making up different elements. Later in the 19th century, J.J. Thompson did experiments which measured charge and mass, which led him to the idea that there were smaller, negatively charged particles, which we now refer to as electrons. In addition to this, he created the plum pudding model, which is a positively charged pudding with negatively charged electrons that are interspersed within. In 1909, Ernest Rutherford and his students, Geiger and Marsden, conducted an experiment called the Golden Foil Experiment, where they fired alpha particles at a thin sheet of gold. From the plum pudding model, they expected the majority of the positively charged alpha particles to either pass straight through or be slightly deflected because the positive charge was spread throughout the pudding. In reality, however, whilst the majority of particles did pass through as they'd anticipated, some of the alpha particles were deflected more than expected and some were sent back in the direction they'd come from. In response to this, Rutherford created the nuclear atom, which had a clearly defined nucleus in the centre, surrounded by a cloud of electrons. Scientists quickly realised that this cloud of electrons would be attracted to the positively charged nucleus, hence resulting in the collapse of the nucleus. Niles Bohr looked at the results of multiple experiments conducted at the time, and proposed a model similar to that which we use today, with electrons orbiting the nucleus in shells with fixed energies. As we currently understand, the atom is constructed from protons which have a relative mass of 1, they are positively charged and are found in the nucleus along with neutrons. Neutrons have a neutral charge and also have a relative mass of 1. The nucleus, while making up a small proportion of the total atom, is where the majority of the atom is constructed. The final part of the atom is negatively charged electrons, which orbit the nucleus in fixed energy shells and make up the majority of the area taken up by the atom. They have a relative charge of minus 1 and the relative charge of 0.0005. The atomic number sometimes referred to as the proton number because it tells you the number of protons an atom has. The larger of the two numbers on the periodic table is the mass number, and this is the number of protons plus the number of neutrons. By subtracting the atomic number from the mass number, you can therefore obtain the number of neutrons. Protons have a positive charge, and electrons have a negative charge. So when the number of each are equal, then the charge is cancelled out so that the atom is neutral overall. In ions, however, there are different numbers of electrons, which results in an overall charge change. The number of protons stays the same, because otherwise the element would change. However, electrons can be gained or lost, resulting in a negative or positive charge. Isotopes are different forms of the same element which have the same number of protons and electrons, but a different number of neutrons. The abundance of these different isotopes is where we get the overall mass number from. For example... The mass number given in the periodic table for chlorine is 35.5 and this is because chlorine 35 is 75% abundant and chlorine 37 
is 25% abundant, which increases the average to 35.5. Another famous example is carbon, which has three isotopes, carbon-12, carbon-13 and carbon-14. They all have six protons and six electrons. However, they have six, seven and eight neutrons, respectively. It's important to note that while ions have different charges because the number of protons and electrons in isotopes are equal, their charges cancel out, so the overall charge is zero, despite the change in neutrons. We hope you enjoyed our first episode from this set based on the GCSE chemistry course. Make sure to follow us to be the first to hear our latest episodes and leave us a review or recommend us to your friends if you find our episodes helpful. Thank you for listening and we look forward to seeing you next Thursday for our episodes on elements, compounds and mixtures.